Welcome to the Unlearning Labels podcast. Our vision is workplaces where people can be themselves, feel valued and fulfill their potential. We are on a mission to awaken people to see beyond their labels, be comfortable being themselves and help them accept others. Listen together as a team and make these conversations part of your monthly staff meetings. Now enjoy this episode. Welcome to Unlearning Labels. Today we will be talking about what it is to lead. And, you know, this is a conversation that kind of comes up organically with us, right? Mira and Peter, (laughs) you know, with the the people that we've been working with and the the people we serve. So um, I tagged you on a post this morning um, that was talking about it had an image of a difference between a boss and a leader, right? The boss is like, you know, wagging the finger and saying what everyone should do while the leader is actually in the trenches with his or with her um, team. So what what was your take on that image? I just tagged you on that probably like half an hour ago, so... Want me to start? Or? Uh, no, I can do no it. Mira, of ah, course. Mira. <laughs> <laughs> Just, that's why I was like, I was waiting. Oh, you can go uh, the, um, you know, it's interesting when we were discussing this topic and, and deciding to to talk about this and, you know, unlearning leadership in a way, what it is, actually means. The first thing that came to mind and first time when I actually started understanding leadership is that there is somebody who goes somewhere first. Somebody that goes somewhere where they haven't been. Somebody that somebody that gets uncomfortable first, you know, doesn't wait for other people to clear the way for them, but they actually go there first. And it's often very uncomfortable. And that's what I associate with leadership. And and with that picture, you know, leader is somebody in front of the group, somebody who is walking somewhere first. So it does really kind of go with that, that I, that I already had in my mind. Peter? I'm nodding in agreement for sure. Cheeky smile. Yeah, I mean, when I looked at that image, I mean, in the trenches for me, everything back in my roles was just having the teams back. So, you know, the teams doing the doing, so to speak, you know, the hard work. And it's really being involved in that, showing an interest. You know, you might not be the knowledge subject matter expert, but you need to be there on hand if things are going awry or whatever else is going on. And I think that's a good example of leadership. And to Mira's point, it's, you know, not running away when things get tricky. So if someone needs help, even if you don't know how the hell to even unravel that or, you know, how the first action, what can I do to resolve it? It's about, okay, I've got your back. I'm listening. I'm here. I'll go off and find out an answer or let's collaborate. Let's find a way forward together versus all of the other things that we used to see i mean i'm sure they're still going on but when i say used to see because you know there's a hope or at least in our work we've noticed that the old ways of leadership you know the opposite of that picture you know just do it just get on with it do your job shouting and then the the boss is somewhere outside having a cigarette while the team (laughs) is suffering (laughs) well you know there's like a couple of different things i've seen so like 
there, when you say the old way of doing things now, what the, there seems to be a cutoff with uh, the age, like right around f- mid fifties or above, right? The people mm-hmm. from that generation, they seem to be, they seem to be a little bit more micromanaging type, um, and uh, like they almost need to get into the minutia. You know, I was talking to a client the other day and. You know, one of her peers has that leadership style. And at the end of the day, it's wearing that particular person out, right? Mm. And um, and then they are like uh, what I call emotionally splattering on their team, right? And even on their peers. And then, you know, there's the other that I've seen where it's um, almost an exclusive kind of leadership, right? Where they keep everything close to themselves and secretive and they um, kind of drip Mm -hmm. information. (laughs) And so it makes it hard for the team to actually work together because they are, um, they're just like, all right, well, I think this is what I'm supposed to do only to find out that there's more, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, how do you get those those type of leadership styles on board with what we're talking about? Well, some people will never change. That's the the honest There's truth. There's that. You know, there are people that you know, Mira and I've discussed. They've never it actually become leaders. Yeah, or sometimes <laughs> that. Well, that's the hope, right? You would hope that they don't because they can do a lot of damage. But again. There are lots of people that ended up in leadership roles that just don't have the right soft skills and are not willing to reflect or grow or develop. Because the way we see it is leadership is really, aside from having the teams back and all of that, and and it's a good segue into what Mira said about, you know, going there first. You have to go there first in terms of self-development, about awareness, knowing what works and what doesn't for you, and really making sure that you feel safe and you trust yourself because otherwise how could you trust anyone else and i've seen Mm. it time and time in my career that sometimes the people above me i could see it after getting to know them that so i felt sorry but also i was really under the cosh from them because they didn't trust me or my team they didn't trust themselves but they weren't really aware of it so a lot of it Mm. for me as leadership is becoming self-aware of knowing that you don't know everything that you do have blind spots and these blind spots will never go away i mean okay you will work on them and you'll uncover something but there's always something to work on so for example even though all three of us are coaches every day every week every month for every year i'm learning so much about myself right yeah and but we're willing to go there we've become comfortable with that and it does take courage it takes a lot of growth and working on it and it's uncomfortable and very vulnerable Mm. but if a leader goes there to your points before about drip feeding then you you just know that it makes sense to have your teams back by building trust and sharing information and being open but also you can't just gush and share everything because sometimes when you're in a senior leadership position, sharing too much can scare your team, confuse them. So it's really getting the experience because I've done it. I've put my foot there before when I was a younger leader of maybe going a bit too far and being a little bit over transparent. And then I had to then reverse engineer that because the team didn't really get what what I was saying or they were scared because I'd shared something that was quite strategic that wasn't quite ready 
to be shared, if that makes sense. So you've got to be mindful about, okay, I want to be transparent, but I also need to make sure that I don't share something that's I'm not allowed to share. And crucially, I don't share something that's not clear or it's been worked through or it doesn't have a solution sometimes. And I, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's just you, you'll only learn to do that properly by doing, right? Mm. And I know I, I can only speak for me in my career that I, I definitely put my foot in it a few times. But once I learned that that wasn't it, then you learn to, you know, reel yourself in and be more mindful about, okay, if I'm going to share this with the team, is it the right time? Is this the right audience? How how does the, you know, my peers feel about that? How does my boss feel about it? Is it okay? And just being more mindful. And I think great leadership is about slowing down. <laughs> I know no one says that, but it's about slowing down and reflecting and thinking about things before you jump the gun and open your mouth. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You were going to say something, Mira? Yeah, I was about to a few times, but then I stopped my I know. slow down. Uh, no, okay. down. See, she was modeling. <laughs> As he was talking, I was mindful of my behavior. Uh, the But there was an interesting thing that crossed my mind. Uh, um, there is a distinction in between uh, uh, position you're holding and being a leader. Mm -hmm. You know, you can be a CEO and not be a leader. Uh, it's it's a position you're holding. It's, I think... And, 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 you know, we often used to talk about, and we still do, that, that everybody can develop leader within themselves. Uh, that doesn't matter what you do in life, you know. You, you can be a teacher, you can be a coach, you can be uh, somebody in, 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 in certain position at work, management position. You can be uh, a person outside, I don't know, working in a flower shop, it doesn't matter working in a restaurant those leadership skills are something that we all can we all have and we can all develop and but it's you know we're not all comfortable going over there and so i think the big thing about leadership is being comfortable, being uncomfortable, and then, you know, we can then look at ourselves and reflect and see our mistakes and, and, you know, not crumble under fear and and not blame others and not, you know. Uh, so that's one of the things that I kind of wanted to say. The um, the distinction in between actually uh, a leader yeah. and uh, um. We want to yeah. read it out loud, or yeah, you can. For the micromanagement leader needs to work on building trust. Also, they need to focus on the big picture rather than spending time in details. Aha, uh, mm -hmm. to avoid micromanagement. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's knowing when to work on the details and when not to, and knowing when to step back and and as this person said so thank you for that it's a good one because it's knowing when to trust people to get on with the work and give them breathing space and allow that wiggle room to be creative make mistakes but crucially have the back and be there to pick up the pieces if you need to give them support and quite often when it when a leader innocently or not micromanages someone they basically suck the air out of their team 
they suck the safety and obviously the trust gets denigrated because it doesn't look like they're allowed to do other, you know, just get on with the job. And quite often when there's too much details or someone's been micromanaged, they literally go off the boil. And I've seen it time and time again with operations where the micromanaged teams don't really have the longevity to stay in high performance because they suddenly get burnt out they go into a state of fear and confusion and then you look at the off the other side of the coin where a leader's coaching being a mentor giving enough room but also not hiding away <laughs> you know the team are yeah. looking like looking under the seat where's the boss gone you know yeah <laughs> Uh, because, but let, let's yeah. let's back up and talk about the burnout piece for a minute mm-hmm. because a lot of people, you know, do struggle with burnout, especially now that this year has been a lot of transitioning back into the physical office, right? And there's still some hybrid working, right? So, um, and I I don't know about you, but with my clients, I am hearing a, a fair amount of um, burnout, not necessarily in their department, but like it's existing. So uh, let's say if you're a peer leader, right, um, and you you have more of a coaching style, but one of your your peer leaders is uh, more of the micromanager. What can you do to kind of pull them into the fold of uh, loosening the reins a bit? Like, mm-hmm. how could you model for uh, a peer leader? You know. Well, I have done many times. I mean, sad truth is I have many colleagues who are super micromanagers. <laughs> and it is a challenge for people listening and watching. However, the good news is that if you get them curious, if you are compassionate towards your colleague, to your peer, and get super curious and ask them questions about their team and show an interest. So for me, I can give you one, so I won't name the people, obviously, but... I just showed an interest in what they were doing and I asked them questions and I was asking them about performance and how they got to how they did, et cetera, et cetera. And I was sharing what I did and it was a back and forth. And eventually the person, because there was no friction, I wasn't telling them to stop because I wanted to at times because this has really happened. So when the person went sick and went on holiday, I would deal with their team as well. And because they micromanaged the team, it ended up being double the workload for me because the team wouldn't make decisions on their own. They were fearful. Mm. They were sitting on the hands waiting for someone to tell them what they can and couldn't do. And then I would have to go and lovingly coax them back into safety and trust. And it didn't happen overnight. And autonomy, it sounds like. (laughs) Well, empowerment. I I, I would basically say, look, I empower you. Look, here's my team as, as an example. But it doesn't happen, you know, just by saying it out, out loud. It doesn't make it so. So I'm not going to lie, it was challenging because if a team's used to not making decisions, not feeling trusted or being empowered or feeling like they can make a mistake, then it's not going to happen overnight. So it was a challenge. But I did eventually end up having to manage the team myself for a bit and then, you know, work on my colleague in terms of coaching them and we went back and forth, and quite often the results was they got softer in their approach. And not always, you know, some people just weren't willing to listen or reflect. So, so what gets in the way, Peter? What do you think? What gets in the way of? Yeah, what gets, why people, why is it so difficult for people to change the way? Fear, they, um, yeah. lack of awareness. So, 
believing, and, and I worked in operations where sometimes my senior, the people above me, believed the same as what the micromanagers believed. So that made it even more tricky because... Yeah, see, that's what I'm talking yeah. about when I'm talking about like the generational... Uh, Leadership styles. Yeah, I mean, actually, I don't know that it's generational because there's a fair amount of. I mean, there there are some younger people that. What's the What's so funny? Did I just like miss? No, Mira's pointing point at me about a wire. It's it's fine. It's all good. <laughs> oh, okay. No, she's just got a, a like a, a telephone wire on her headphones, and it's very springy. So I'm keeping hold of it so it doesn't make. Oh, uh, okay, Sorry. okay, okay. Sorry. No, I I was like, wait, is there is? Do you have a client like this or like what's happening? So um. Um, but that, that's why I'm saying it, it's, uh, there, there's, uh, it sounds like there's two things that happen when you're a micromanaging type of leader, right? The productivity of the team is lower because of their physical, uh, like their well-being, right? You're burnt out, you're worried, you're stressed. And then there's the part of, well, I can't make a decision because if I make a decision, historically what happens is it's, you know, I'm shamed for it or it's changed or, you know, something like this. And it just uh, holds the uh, the project of the team just hostage. Mm -hmm. So um, to, to loosen the reins on that, the, I, I think this is why there is executive coaching, right? Mm -hmm. So that people... <laughs> So that people that are, are leaders that they have the title, to Mira's point, right? They have the title of the position, but they don't necessarily have the soft skills. And so, you know, as a peer leader, one of the things that you could do is recommend, you know, that your company hire executive coaches, you know, to come in and work with people individually um, and, you know, I don't know about, uh, the effectiveness of team trainings in a situation like that. What, what do you think about that? I know uh, that's what well, you I guys rewind are doing. <laughs> Let's forget executive coaching for a minute. So for people listening, yes, a coach and a mentor is a, it's a no brainer. It's a good thing. And obviously we're going to say that with coaches, but <laughs> when I rewind back into my roles, say I was in, in an operational role in a real life leadership position and things were happening so your point about what do you do if your boss is a micromanager and some of your peers i just got them super curious mm -hmm. you know fighting with them i tried that trust me it doesn't work and you just burn yeah. through a lot of energy and burning yourself out and then what happens is you end up in protectionism you end up in like parent child mode where you become i ended up forgetting that I wasn't the parent of my team and I went into protection mode and that doesn't work. So what I did to resolve it, and I can think of this as a real example, is I just got them super curious about how my team were absolutely smashing the results. Hmm. And it wasn't because, wow, I'm an amazing boss, but I did do certain things that created the right conditions for my team to be able to stay in high performance as much as they can with all the realities of what was going on and sickness and all the other challenges because I just was always there. I was there showing up and I didn't always get it right for people watching and listening, but I would always be like, hey, put my hand up. I was a bit stressed yesterday. I think I pushed it a bit too far. Let's have a chat. And we were constantly in communication 
and I think communication. This is, yeah, yeah, and this is the main thing. And I just showed my colleagues over the weeks, months, and years that operating the way that they did led to them getting it hurt the wallet. You know, they got less bonus, they had higher sickness, they had more arguments, they had more conversations with HR, they had to let go of more people. It, you know, the list mm -hmm. doesn't get any better if you manage by micromanaging and bullying and the dictatorial old school way of doing it that should have been put to bed you know years ago eventually you will get low performance and it will be very difficult to get it back into high performance you know it, it's when someone says doing the same thing over and over again like i guess what einstein that favorite quote without taking in new information and changing it's a sign of insanity it won't improve anything so it was just a simple matter of that, that quite often in meetings, I would present the scorecard and say, this is how we performed. And then people eventually were like, well, I might not agree, but I'm actually really curious because I want my bonus to be high, I'm not going to lie. Or, right. Or, or my bosses were like, you know, how? what's your secret? I said, there is no secret, just be a nice human, just listen. And actually the secret weapon, I would say, Mira and I were talking to a senior leadership team last week is listening to understand your team, your peers, mm. your mm -hmm. colleagues. And if you can get to become a better listener, I'd hazard a guess that you would do, you would definitely improve as a leader. Yeah, so, so yeah, one of these things is really, I think, uh, engaging in conversation, in listening to them, because we often, if we are not micromanagers, we get, we get triggered by people who are doing things differently. And so we get angry with them. We get, you know, why? how can you do it? Why don't you do it this way and all of that? And they probably do the same. Um, and so in order for people to start listening us and start noticing what we are doing and maybe asking questions, I think one of the big things, one of the big things is actually start listening, start to listen them. Yeah. Because if we are not in conversation, we we then just filter through our own, you know, mind things that we already know and we fit them into that perspective. We are not seeing anything else. And I'd hazard a guess if you're not listening to your team, you're probably not even listening to yourself. And that goes back to the awareness piece. If you don't know what's going on for you, it's going to be really difficult to then go and be of service and really get the results that you really want to achieve. And I want to yeah. rewind back to what we were talking about before. Our goal, I know all the three of us have talked about it, our aim with what we're doing, the mind takeaway, and all three of us, I know we're on the same page, is that leadership, yeah, you could see it's a position. You know, you're a boss, you get promoted. But we're more excited by the version that Mira talked about earlier in the conversation that we see everyone has the capacity to lead and show, you know, the skills of a leader. And when organizations foster those kind of conditions so everyone is empowered, you don't need to wait till you get promoted or be offered a position or called boss as a label. You suddenly are trusted to be a leader and make decisions and you know, be responsible and all this other stuff. That's when things get really interesting because organizations then become super diverse. People don't get marginalized. They suddenly feel, well, I can be a leader too. And if your team allows that to happen and there's that respect and that transparency, then you're more likely to get a lot of people 
through their own steam, showing their own autonomy, that they're being, mm. you know, they're showing that they're empowered rather than, I think we talked about one episode, didn't we, where we said, it's weird, when, when a company recruits people, they seem to say, I give you permission to be empowered. And that's really not how it works. Because if you've re- recruited someone into a top talent position, surely you're giving them free reign to be empowered straight out the gate. And that's what right. we're pointing to, that if I, whenever I had a team, I was always really clear from the, straight away from the first meeting, say, look, I trust you, I value you, and you're empowered. Let's go. And obviously they didn't believe that sometimes, but that's your job as a leader to lovingly show compassion, show that those, those words are followed through with action. And quite yeah. often leadership's lacking when people say words, 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 you know, lots of talking comes out. But then six months down the line, the leader seems to be operating in behaving the, in the opposite of what they communicated. No? And, and that, you know, to the point of the, the viewer here that said that emotional intelligence is a huge gap for a lot of leaders. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I'm overwhelmingly hearing you both say here. And the emotional intelligence also begins within, right? Mm-hmm. When you are self-aware, you will um, have that heart-mind alignment that we often talk about. You know, you you bring that into the mind takeaway a lot. I talk a lot about that on the Free to Be show is um, when your mind and your heart are aligned, you have a certain clarity and you mm-hmm. bring that into everything you do. And 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 for our conversation today, that makes you show up as a true, powerful leader and, and you understand what it is to lead. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, yeah. It's simple, no? Can we look at these? There's a few more comments. I <laughs> no, no, say, that's actually. the... Uh, yeah, so th- the last one was this. Emotional intelligence is a huge gap for ah, most sorry, leaders. Sorry, covered that one. Yeah. I'm a bit slow. To yeah. <laughs> no, you just well, don't see small letters. You, I was about to say, you just need my, your glasses. <laughs> yeah, I'm showing my age now. My, my eyesight's definitely failing these days. Okay, so back in the room. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so when we, you know, when we talk about leadership... Everyone has a different take on it, right? And that's great. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there is diversity in the way people lead. And that's, this is why we love this topic, right? Because it's pretty much something that we help our clients with day in, day out. But for us, I've got nothing on it. I don't want to dictate how someone else's lead, you know, how someone else will lead in the future. But it's more about, you know, what are the things that can create the right conditions for someone to turn around to you and say, wow, you're a next level leader. Well, that's what we talked about, right? It's patience, compassion, uh, definitely emotional intelligence, but also having good listening skills, flexing your coaching and mentoring skills. Because mm. quite often people, they, they say that they do that. But what I notice through the years, you know, working in different roles is that it, it's more like a nice to have. Whereas what I see now is that you can't really be a great leader unless you actually develop those those skill sets and I think coaching and mentoring is a really good thing to go out there and do so if you're an aspiring leader or you're you know early on in your leadership career then the one thing that I would say for all three of us right is the more that I looked at that side and developed my coaching and mentoring and listening skills things got so much easier 
But you know what's interesting, though, and I'm going to share something. I, I won't mention any names. Uh, there is a company we spoke to uh, uh, recently, and we were all, we were like, "Oh my God, there's there is somebody listening. There is somebody knows what they actually need." Uh, and uh, they so basically they said, "You know, we want our employees." Uh, at least, you know, team leads and then, you know, start from there. But we want our empl employees to be more accountable, to be more proactive and to get more curious and start doing things on their own. We, you know, we don't want to need to tell them everything that they need to do. He said, and because of it, we want to get them all develop as leaders mm -hmm. so we don't want to just focus on top leadership top management positions no we want to go down we want to because we want these qualities you know and which company wouldn't want that i mean yeah. if you're a company wouldn't you want your people to be accountable yeah yeah and and so they go actually you know we we really realize that we want actually all our people to go through leadership development mm. and what we've all noticed right is that if you want your company to be future proof this is exactly what you need to do provide you know high quality training and you know nowadays everyone has digital learning platforms where they can dip in and out and just promote and get people curious at every level in the company about what it is to lead and then you've got more chance of, I mean, it's just the right thing to do because it makes sense in terms of return on investment. You know, because if everyone's flexing the leader skills and developing soft skills and learning what it is about coaching and how to listen to each other, you're just going to get, as we said, you know, a more diverse and more harmonious way of working. And also you're creating a future-proof company because you're looking at next mm -hmm. the next uh, wave of talent. You know, if you look at it, succession planning in your team, the best gift you can give your team is to develop those skills straight away. So then, you know, in six months, a year, two years down the line, you can already start to plot people in your team who are now ready to step up into those so-called next, you know, future roles. Mm -hmm. And that's the best way to do it versus going out where if you haven't done it, like, for example, I looked at a company recently where, they just didn't think about doing that. And it's okay, they're learning and, you know, now the course corrected it. But that course correction costs millions of pounds. That's what I was about <laughs> to say. Because that's the yeah. other place where my mind immediately yeah. goes. Like, when you've got, like, um, an entire team, an entire company where mm. each employee is empowered, right? And they are the owner, Mm -hmm. Right. That's what, what I would say is another word we can throw in here. They're mm -hmm. the owner of their domain. Then definitely your bottom line is going to get so much fatter. You know, mm -hmm. it's like um, a lot of people are worried about the recession. Well, guess what? Mm -hmm. If you become the owner of your domain, if you become a leader at what you're doing, there there is no recession. Um, as long as we're looking for help and validation someplace else and looking to someone to lead us, then yeah, you're like a sitting duck. Mm. But in order to not be a sitting duck, you know, hold on to those reins yourself and, mm. you know, step up, know, know your stuff, own your stuff. And, you know, leaders are not, uh, 
now when I say leaders, the people in the position, right, Mm -hmm. of leadership, (laughs) right, they are not uh, looking to like pull their team on their back. They're looking for help just like everybody else. And what better help than to have uh, a team full of people that are, that are owning their, their workload and, and their charge mm. um, to, to make it easier and, and have the most productive and lucrative mm. cost center, right? Mm. Or department and, and an organization. Mm. So, yeah. And, you know, talking about talent, I mean, when, when a person goes for the recruitment process and it's like good news, we want to give you, offer you a position. When you join a team where people are already showing, you know, leadership capability, it's such an amazing thing. It's it's so much easier. And then suddenly you'll look around and think, wow, this is a great company. The opposite of that is when someone's rolled out the red carpet and then you suddenly get into the reality of an organization where everything they told you was the complete opposite. So, you know, it's for companies to be mindful of that, that if you, you've gone through the process of paying all that money to get talent in, but you're not allowing people to, you know, be separately a leader in their own rights regardless of position then you're going to have trouble keeping hold of top talent as well Mm -hmm. because the companies where they have low retention that they keep coming out in these surveys as the best places to work and just to be clear for people watching listen not these bs awards where they pay for it i'm talking real you know real rock solid surveys where people have been asked some tough questions and they really are good places to work they're the ones where everyone's showing up and being empowered you know that that's the only way it works and looking at leadership in in as a as a label itself i think you know our show's called unlearning labels there's still a lot to learn and unlearn in the world of leadership and even now i mean you talked about it being generational but could i've even seen people of all ages showing both the positive and negatives of leadership. It, I mean, yes, there are older generations that may be a little bit more clunky or they might approach it from an old standing point. But honestly, I don't know what you two have seen, but I it doesn't it doesn't seem to be an age thing. Mm. It seems to be a lack of awareness thing. And, people, and fear. Yeah, people suddenly go from being... I've seen people going from great leaders, being super connected, super... Um, transparent super supportive and then something happening outside in their personal life and to your point about fear and this is the thing so it's having colleagues around you that are all showing those capabilities to listen because if you notice for example that one of your colleagues has gone from next level great leader wonderful person to being a complete disaster and people are running the other way then I'd hazard a guess that something might have happened and they may need a shoulder to cry on. They may need some compassion, some patience and some support. And if we can offer that, we're more likely to get them back onto a place of inclusive, authentic leader leadership mm-hmm. and stuff like that. This is true, yeah. Or a micromanager gets hired to lead a team already demonstrating leadership capabilities. Yeah, so I don't think it's an older generation issue. That's true. It is not, uh, it's, you're right. It it most definitely would have to be a fear-based thing. Mm. Um, And, I mean, 
what other reason would you micromanage a team rather, oh, you know, other <laughs> time pressures, being yeah. burnt out yourself, lack of focus. Yeah. Um, and fear can connect to all of these things. This fear is such a strong emotion, right? But there's always underlying things. Like I said, you could have had a, a family death. I've seen, yeah. Yeah, I mean, over the years, because I'm old, right? <laughs> seen quite a, I've seen it all, but one of the things when someone is rocked by a divorce, for example, or, you know, something that's happened that's challenging outside, suddenly they start to act erratically and they lack yes. the awareness because they're too busy fighting the fires of trying to stabilize their personal life or grieving. And then suddenly, innocently, they just get in the way and, you know, and things can get really tricky. So it's just being around people and having that transparency so you can say, you know, let's be open to each other. You know, you, you can give me feedback. If you notice that something's off, feel free to say so, you know, because I'd rather, I don't know about you two, but when I started to act erratically myself in, in a position and it wasn't really serving me on my team, I was lucky to have people around me that were like, hey, Peter, don't know if you noticed, but your team are not really happy with you this week. Really? Nope. And then, you know, we'd get into a back and forth, and I still felt super vulnerable. And, you know, in the moment, like, is this really true? And I didn't want to hear it, but I was willing to go there. So you we'd... felt on the defensive. For sure. I mean, how can you not to? All he... We all do. I mean, I'll put my hand up. It happens. But I was just willing to go, okay, I'll hear you out, even though in the in the spare of the moment, I was like, this can't be true. So, <laughs> so I'm just curious, what are you hearing, Cordelia, so far? What is What are the... What is the quality of the of the person, or not quality, but, but something about them that, that will allow them to be, to easier become a, a leader, like to, to strip all the stuff and then just be a person that is present, listening, going there first, uh, helping people out, uh, and, and, and all of that that we, we said. Did, did you hear? I'm like, I heard something, and that's why I'm curious. Did, 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 did you also hear uh, um, that I think what, what, what we were discussing, it was being comfortable being uncomfortable? Yeah, overwhelmingly, I would agree with that theme, you know. Um, and the uncomfortableness is thinking differently mm. and um and operating in that that different space mm. um so if we go back to let's just use the micromanager um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so let's say i'm a leader who is a micromanager and just being curious of how is it that Mira's team is working so well together and she seems to be so laissez-faire, you know? And it's like, what is she doing that I'm not? Mm. And and then experimenting, well, I just want to prove her wrong. I'm going to just try this, you know? And, you know, yeah, I'm, the next meeting I have with my team, I'm going to just listen to them, <laughs> you know, see if they know what they're talking about. And, and, um, and truly allowing, you know, myself to be open 
and to hear mm. what my team is saying, what ideas they have, um, ways that they would like to have more autonomy, ways that they are experimenting with autonomy, even though I've told them not to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and just looking at the, the uh, bottom line of those decisions. And so that would be the, that the uncomfortable, like what it's like to be in that uncomfortable space. And then just maybe like each month trying a new one, mm-hmm. you know, and trying that on for a month and, um, and spending time, you know, with maybe one of your peer leaders who is, who has a different leadership style. And that's another way to be uncomfortable, right? Mm. Just, you know, hang out with them and, and be like, well, you know, somehow your KPIs are looking way better than mine. Like, and I'm trying the other two things that I like that you're doing, (laughs) but that third one, I don't know, you know, let's, let's talk about that, you know? So just opening yourself up and, and being curious, Mm. I would say. Um, and then number three, ask for help, right? So above and beyond, you know, experimenting with something you've seen another peer leader do um, and actually being in conversation with another peer leader and seeing what else you could do, then just going, you know, to your organization and saying, look, I I think I'm going to really need some help with this because I can't really figure it all out, right? Mm -hmm. And to the point about most organizations have coaches, executive coaches available or consultants available to their executives, you know, on board. So that's, that's what I'm hearing. And number three is synonymous with what it means to lead because in, if you serve, you, you're going to need help too, right? And the help comes from your team and the help can come from above as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's also Peter often mentions, um, you know, taking care about ourselves. Uh, you know. I look at the metaphor we were sharing yeah. it quite often in the last month as, uh, you know, we've all been on a plane or most of us, I would say, and there's the safety check, you know, while you're taxiing, you know, should the cabin pressure drop, oxygen masks will be there for you. But before you help others, put yours on first. And this is what we're pointing at with leadership. It's about helping yourself to oxygen first, getting yourself, getting your ducks in a row, and then you can really help, you know. And it's it's not about being selfish because, you know, being a great leader is also knowing that you need self-care. And you can't really help if you can't breathe, right? Mm. And this is the thing. When you're showing the opposite of being a great leader and being able to be inclusive and building trust and all of that, it's because you haven't been able to breathe. You're going too fast. You're, you've took too much on. You don't know what you should or shouldn't be doing. And that's usually a good sign, or at least for me, what was in my early career. It's like, okay, stop. And it's, it's having the courage to just stop what you're doing and go, okay, have what I've been doing for the last week. Is that really serving me and my team? And if the answer to any of it is no, let's reflect on what I can do differently. Yeah, I, I think one of one of the things that happens with 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 people that are 
um, that their job is important to them and other people are important to them and all of that. And, and usually good leaders fall into this trap of forgetting about themselves and then they stop being a good leaders. Um, well, most of our... Most of the clients we work with, usually the first thing we do is slow them down yeah. because they've forgotten, especially females, right? I mean, you two are female, back me up. And again, I'm not trying to mensplain here, but... Well, I'm going to just say, like, most of my clients are yeah. female okay. executives, yeah. right? And most and of so mine are, yeah. Yeah. And what I hear is that they, it, doesn't, it didn't make sense for them. You know, they looked after their children, the family, and they were fighting fires for the company but they, the last thing that made sense was to say hey team i need some help too and when they yeah. started to do that not only are you empowering people because it sometimes it looks like you're actually doing a lesser job because you're saying hey i need help and it looks bad to delegate some things to share the load but if you want people to grow and empower them, then they, they need to learn so at some point. You know, they need to learn the ropes and start to incrementally do some of the work. Otherwise, they'll never get to learn. And a, another uh, version that I see in my work with the self, uh, I call it self-nurturing, is uh, speaking up, right? Um, and not internalizing some of the conversation that's happening and, and, and actually just... Um, like when when a peer leader says something about the way that you're operating and you're thinking, oh, I better not say anything because I don't want to appear like I'm, you know, feeling affected. But you are feeling affected mm -hmm. by that. And it, yeah. and it does have a physiological effect. You're not sleeping at night now because you're worried instead of having the conversation in the moment. You know, just say, so I'm hearing you say that I could be more effective if I do that. Is that accurate? Or are you saying that um, you would like us to work, you know, more synergistically? You know, whatever it is, whatever that conversation is, have it in the moment. Don't ruminate about it because that is a form of burnout, right? Mm -hmm. a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of female leaders will do that. They, they will ruminate about things that they didn't have, uh, they, they didn't speak about in the moment. So that is another form of self-care. And so that that heart mind alignment is so very essential for you to even know whether or not you have the capacity to do things, you know, some days, you know, to your point about putting the oxygen mask on first, because it's like, you know, look, I know that we've got all this going on. And in order for me to show up best for my team or for all of this, I'm, I'm going to, you know, just need to, you know, take a walk or go to the gym or, you know, just um slow do down. something mm -hmm. yeah slow down mm -hmm. um and and decisions decision fatigue is a thing right mm -hmm. and and slowing down is very essential to not having decision fatigue mm -hmm. so we well, you know i mean one tip we can share because we were, we were sharing this with the team and they found it really impactful last week is to check in about your energy Mm -hmm. So yeah, I saw your episode on yeah, that. Yeah, so if you <laughs> understand what your energy is like at any given point, it's a really good tip as to know what you can and can't do for that day, for that week. And I'm not saying that you always have a choice. You know, if you've got to be in that meeting, you've got to be in the meeting. But when you're planning your day, the things that you can be flexible about, it's about okay, what 
if you get curious about what takes your energy and what recharges your energy throughout the day, you can keep yourself ticking over. But I don't know about you two, but in my previous roles, you know, when I was a leader, sometimes I didn't know what was getting in the way. And then I would just fill the day up with busyness and then I would get exactly what I paid for. I'd leave almost crawling out the office like, whoa, that was not good. And then I would do the same the next day and the next day until I realized that actually some of these things that I like doing completely turn me off. Like they, they zap my energy. So I need to do less of that in the day, in the week to be able to do this. And it goes back to, again, of being of service. You can't... Self-awareness. Well, yeah, you can't have the capacity to help others and be there for your team if you've run out of batteries. And we see it time and time again with leaders that they, they just forget that they need to recharge and it's not good. For example, if your schedule today is showing that you're in back-to-back meetings for literally 10 hours and you're not taking a break and you're not getting any time to reflect on some of the actions you are going to burn yourself out it's simply not sustainable you know yeah i mean but what you can do in that right if you know that you're doing back-to-back meetings um is start your day with food you know that gives you the energy throughout the day you know you can stop and do like a one minute meditation or even a you know walk outside or if you can't walk outside open a window you know what i mean it's just some form of whatever it is that that gives you back the energy a lot of times we're thinking oh i don't have like two hours to go to the gym or i can't go here or i can't do that it doesn't really take all that you know you could just stand up and move for a minute you know you you know what i've what i've noticed cordelia uh when people are okay taking time for themselves uh, and not thinking that, oh my God, I need to do everything else first, they will find the time. I think often it's the... I think often it's the it's the belief system, the mm-hmm. idea of what we should or shouldn't do in order to be okay uh, that gets in the way. Yeah, people often feel they don't have the permission to take a break. And, and you know, to what I was saying before, you will have some frenetic days. It's it's reality of being in the world of business. But if that's every day, something is completely off with your operation, with the way that you plan. You know, there's a lot going on there. And, it, and unless you have the courage to stop, reflect on it and go, okay. So, for example, someone, and I, I never did it, but I can see why it would be really useful that when you, we were all good at planning all, you know, blocking blocks of time and having a to-do list. But, um, and I can't remember who it was, but they said, have a break list. And I was like, what's that? And it's like, it's literally a list in parallel next to your to-do list. And it, and it locks down your breaks. Did I have lunch? Yeah. You know, <laughs> lunch, 10 minutes here, reflection time. And you're more likely to do it because the thing is we all block out the meetings and then, you know, we get a reminder in our calendar and then we turn up. Why don't you block out your breaks? I know it sounds painfully obvious, but the amount I, of people... I do. Like, my whole life that. is about the breaks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so is ours now because... And, I mean, I know it's easier because we don't work in operations now. And I'm not saying to people watching listen that it's a walk in the park. There are challenges. You will have busy days and days when meetings have been schedule where you're just like really you know and you're you're fighting fires but that should be a one-off 
if that is every day in the last month of your existence being in in your role something's not right yeah, yeah. it's the uh Oh, I had something on my mind, and it's gone. No, I was going to actually say, you know, we're coming to the end of the hour, so I'd like you to close us out, Mira, because you always have such brilliant insight. Oh, because I'm <laughs> because I'm not talking much. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, oh, what would be an insight for it? Anyway, so. Thank you, thank you for for this great conversation. And I really, I really enjoy listening when we are talking about these things, and it really gets me. I I start getting some more and more ideas. So one of the things I think uh, to close this session is that you know we were talking about what leaders are doing and and who they are and where they stand and and what they're not doing. But I think one of the big thing big things that often is not mentioned and we mentioned it today just now is the self-care uh is the self-care because if you want to continue being a good leader it is your utmost priority to take care about yourself yeah 100 percent well, thank you for everyone who has been here live participating in the conversation <laughs> um here on LinkedIn, and I guess there's some of you on, on Facebook as well. Uh, for those of you who listen uh, to the podcast, reach out to us at unlearninglabels.com for any uh, assistance that you may need on what it means to lead in your world. And also like our LinkedIn page, we, we have decided to to grow it a little bit so we can put these conversations on there and it's important that we have a little bit more likes there <laughs> yeah to be it. perfectly transparent we need 150 followers <laughs> we're at like 141 like what's that about you nine people that participated like over there all right <laughs> hey you just got to ask for what you what you require you know yeah i agree you don't ask you don't get so, yeah. <laughs> So we just need nine more people to follow us on Unlearning Labels on LinkedIn, and then you can view the show there as well. Great. And so until next month. See you. Thank Bye. you for listening. Thank Bye you. for now. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. Learning Labels is about talking the walk of I see you, I hear you, and I value you. If you found these conversations insightful and useful, please share them with others and sign up for our newsletter at unlearninglabels.com.